This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Today's show comes from July the 9th in 2013. It is a doubleheader, both segments featuring the author of a barbecue Bible, Mr. Stephen Reichlin. Let's jump right into today's show. Here's Greg and Stephen from July the 9th, 2013. So let's go ahead and race over to the hotline. And uh, welcome back. Super friend of the show. One of my uh, favorite guys ever to talk barbecue and grilling with Stephen Reichland. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Stephen. I appreciate you asking, and of course, always appreciate you making time for the show. Uh, where You are a world traveler, Stephen. Where are we finding you this evening? Well, I'm on Chappaquiddick Island in Martha's Vineyard, and uh, the cell phone reception is not so great here, and we have a little ferry we have to catch to get back home, so... Uh, so it was a split-second timing, but I made it. All right, perfectly, uh, perfectly. I might add, Chappaquiddick. I mean, there's a lot of history that goes back to that particular piece of water, and then, of course, uh, that's kind of centered around that novel that you wrote as well. Uh, boy, is it ever! Well, the novel is called Island Apart, which is what Chappaquiddick means in the Wampanoag Indian language, and uh, it did the story. There's a uh, a foodie uh, recluse uh, named the Herman of Chappaquiddick who. Uh, and a uh, New York book editor recovering from breast cancer, and they meet uh, through a shared love of food on this amazing island where you can drop uh, drop off the grid and live off the land, and that's exactly what the hermit does. All right, so a number of different topics to get into tonight, Stephen, and we'll kind of be jumping around a bit, so I apologize for that in advance, but let's get started. First topic, and I read a great article by one of my a regular contributor to the show, Derek Riches from bbq.about.com about lighter fluid. And mm-hmm. there was this major push many years ago, and I guess over the last uh, 10 or 15 years, by people saying, hey, let's get out there in front of the public and say, let's not use lighter fluid, uh, somehow curb the selling of it. And as you look back over the span of its life, any and all uh, PSAs or discouragement from using it has really fallen on deaf ears. There's been a very minimal amount of people that have stopped using it. Why do you think that is? Is this a, the thing where Kingsford owns the charcoal, Kingsford owns the lighter fluid industry, and they're flexing muscle? Uh, do people really just not know that there's a better, more safer way and less flavorful way to light their fires? What's your take on that? First of all, let me say I'm sort of surprised to hear that statement, although I imagine it's true, but uh, I can't think of a single person that I know or that I've taught at Barbecue University or that I've interviewed for uh, my website, barbecuebible.com, that still uses lighter fluid. I mean, everyone I know uses a chimney starter to light charcoal. And I guess if I rack my memory, I'd say that, you know, where people maybe still use lighter fluid is... Uh, at at uh, some of the competition barbecue festivals. And I, I, I guess the point I would make is that if you do indeed light your charcoal, you let it burn completely, you burn the lighter fluid off completely, you let the coals ash over, I suppose you burn away uh, most, if not all, of uh, any petroleum residue. But 
a chimney starter is so much not only so, so much cleaner, but it's so much more effective in right in lighting coals. I mean, with lighter fluid, you never get an even light, but with uh, with a chimney starter, your coals light uniformly in fifteen or twenty minutes. So I, I can't understand why anybody would use lighter fluid these days. Do you think? So the first question that jumps off my mind, because you're talking about people that you talk to or that you've interviewed or that you're having in classes that don't use it, do you know people that are pretty much better than novice griller or barbecue guy? Do you know people that are just, uh, you know, jamokes off the street that maybe do it four or five times a year and, and this is just kind of what they know? Are you, you're, I mean, you're kind of in the subculture, right? Yeah, well, I was going to say that's a, that's a very good question. And, uh, in a sense, uh, I preach to the choir, and in a sense, the people that come to Barbecue University, for example, uh, most are pretty enthusiastic. But we have a little exercise uh, at the beginning of every class, and I call for uh, four volunteers to man our chimney starters. And I always call for people who have never used a chimney starter before. And the idea is I want to teach them immediately, quickly, to light the chimneys, to use chimneys to get in that culture. And damn, if in every class of 50 or 60 people, there aren't at least four people that have never used a chimney starter before. Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show, uh, website barbecuebible.com. If you want to uh, check out some things about Stephen while we're talking here on the show tonight. Are, are you a paraffin cube guy? Are you a Crisco oil on the paper towel guy? Are you side burner on your gas grill guy to get those lighted? What's your favorite way to get a uh, charcoal chimney going? Mm. I would say I'm an ecumenical, ecumenical guy. Uh, I, I like the paraffin starters because uh, they don't blow out. Uh, I've been using fat wood lately. I mm. like that. Uh, one of the many grills I own is the uh, is the Weber Performer, which has a uh, a built-in little propane blowtorch canister for lighting the coals. So that is a good option. Uh, I will use newspaper when I have it. I guess newspaper is probably my the, my uh, my uh, igniter of last choice. In the interest of pyromania, have you ever gone to like Harbor Freight or one of those hardware stores and gotten one of those weed burners? Uh, foregone oh, the yeah. charcoal uh, chimney. I do. Uh, I have them. Uh, interesting. I don't use those for lighting coals. Uh, uh, but what I do use them for is, like, if I have a pineapple on the rotisserie uh, and it's been dredged in sugar and I really want to give it a hard candy shell and I don't want to wait for 20 minutes on the rotis, uh, I will take the weed burner to the pineapple. And, uh, and man, that, I mean, that'll give you instant, that'll give you caramelization in two minutes. Oh, absolutely. I will, um, I will mention I was in Japan a few years ago and getting ready to go on a television show in Japan, and they used an extremely hard, slow-burning charcoal in Japan called binchotan. Once you get the stuff lit, it burns forever, and it burns really hot. But, you know, I had left the usual 20 minutes that I budget for lighting American lump charcoal. <laughs> and this stuff with a chimney, you know, probably would have taken an hour to light. So we did turn oh. a blowtorch to that to kind of get it going. Was that a traditional, uh, like, wood-based carbon hardwood lump, or was it made out of, like, uh, coconut no, it, shells? No, it's or? a tree. It's a, it's a natural lump charcoal, and traditionally they put whole small oak trees in caves, set them on fire, and then seal the mouth of the cave up with mud and bricks. And so the, uh, the wood is allowed to smolder in the cave, deprived of oxygen. Uh, and the stuff comes out. I mean, you bang two pieces together, and by the way, the piece that's on my desk right now costs $4 for one lump. Just wow. to give you an idea of how 
expensive the stuff is, but you bang two pieces together, and it sounds like two pieces of metal clanking together. Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show. All right, Stephen, so let me switch gears here just for a second. You know, we had the 4th of July this past week, uh, a lot of people getting together, parties, outdoor cookouts, of course. You know, people are always asking me, to say, hey, when you get a, a really a guest that's on there, knows what he's talking about and is a grilling expert, how do you not get lost in your own party where you're the guy, you're hosting it, you want everybody to have a great time, but all of a sudden you're finding yourself running around to the grill and making sure everybody's fed, and you're not enjoying your own party. It's almost like that pitfall that people don't really budget for. How do you avoid that when you're doing your own parties? Great question. So I do it, uh, there are three things that I keep in mind. Number one, at any Reichland event, the entire meal is going to be cooked on the grill, okay? That's appetizers, first course, salads, breads, dessert, okay? That's, that's, that's the given you start with. Uh, the second piece of it is that I always turn the act of grilling into the evening's entertainment. I mean, I always start with the... Um, Start from the point of view that when you light a grill, people are going to gather around it, okay? So that's going to become the focal point of your evening. So I make the actual act of cooking the meal on the grill the focal point of the entertainment and the evening. Well, what does that mean? That means that the minute somebody comes in, they gather around the grill, you're going to do your appetizers off the grill. And that might be grilled garlic bread or it might be grilled oysters. Warren Martha's Vineyard now, we get these really amazing oysters from Katama Bay. Um, or it uh, might be something just as simple as uh, prunes wrapped in uh, applewood smoked bacon, you know, just totally irresistible. But it gets cooked on the grill in front of people, served hot off the grill for people to eat. So that brings us to the third sort of principle, which is the orchestration of the whole meal. And here's how you do it. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at john, J-O-N, at the bbqcentralshow.com. Hey, before we kick off the second segment, I got a question for you. Are you following the Barbecue Central Show on social media? It is easy to do and much appreciated. Whatever your favorite platform is, you can go to BBQ Central Show on Instagram or at BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitter. Again, very much appreciated. Give the big show a follow. That said, let's jump right into the second segment today. That brings us to the third sort of principle, which is the orchestration of the whole meal. And here's how you do it. Number one, you start with a big hunk of protein. Pork shoulder, brisket, racks of ribs, shoulder clod, prime rib something that takes a long time to cook low and slow and that is very forgiving in its timing. So you can pull it off an hour, even two hours ahead of when people are going to come. Keep it warm. It will be perfect to eat. Okay? So that eliminates the whole split-second timing issue of, uh, of a barbecue. Then the second thing I do is I always grill up a, a giant platter of grilled vegetables. Uh, and it might include starches like uh, ember-roasted sweet potatoes, uh, or garlic roasted potatoes, but the reason for grilled vegetables, they taste great, the bright colors look great, and they're great served at room temperature. You don't have to serve a grilled vegetable hot. Okay, so already two of your courses of the meal have been taken care of before anybody's even pulled in your driveway. Now the third course, the appetizers, I do do those on the grill while people are standing around. So that's your sort of performance art piece. Uh, 
And, um, you know, don't be afraid to deputize, too, if you need somebody to give you a hand. I mean, I have many grills. I'm sure you have many grills, uh, Greg, and, you know, people love to get involved. Then the last piece of it is, uh, is serve your dessert on the grill. And that could be something like peach quarters grilled on cinnamon sticks. It could be something like uh, pineapple uh, dipped in, uh, in in coconut milk and cinnamon sugar and then cooked over a screaming hot grill or spit roasted pineapple. Or I remember uh, we had a big, big, big uh, family holiday with about uh, 60 people uh, one year. And so we took a couple of uh, Kamado cookers and filled them with coals, and then we made homemade marshmallows early in the day and uh, and homemade uh, graham crackers. And so we set up some more pits around the patio, around the pool, and people made their own s'mores, and that was a fantastic dessert. Uh, but I think you can see with a strategy like that, two of your four courses are done before anybody comes. The other two you turn into sort of, you make them part of the party, and then it's really stress-free. Homemade marshmallows? Homemade marshmallows. All right. Yeah, How do you do uh, that? Well, you'll actually you'll find the recipe in a couple places uh, in my book, BBQ USA. Uh, I've, I've, I've got a recipe for it. Um, what you do is you beat egg whites to uh, you make uh, a, a soft meringue uh, by beating egg white stiff and then pouring in uh, sugar, sugar syrup cooked to the softball stage, uh, which basically when whipped together in a mixer gives you something that resembles marshmallow fluff. And then all you need to do is add softened gelatin to that mixture, let it cool in a uh, baking pan that's lined with powdered sugar, and cut it into squares, and bingo, you've got marshmallows. Well, there you go. I had no idea it was that simple. We're talking with Stephen Reichlin. Uh, you can find his website, barbecuebible.com, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E, barbecuebible.com, if you want to check that out while we're talking here tonight. Uh, Stephen, let me ask you something. Uh I was kind of giving you a little heads up on some questions that I wanted to ask you about. And the yeah. one thing I said was, you know, barbecue on TV, good or bad for the industry? And you wrote back to me, you know, I can only talk about the experiences of my TV shows because you don't watch TV otherwise. Do you really not watch uh, barbecue TV otherwise or any TV otherwise? I do not watch TV. Uh, I maybe watch one hour or two hours of TV a year. Uh, and that will be like when there's some hideous political disaster or a big political debate. But uh, I'm much more, I'm, I'm sort of a storytelling guy. I love stories. I mean, people buy my books for the recipes, but I write my books for the stories I get to tell about grill masters around the world, about the history of barbecue, about the interface of barbecue and, uh, and art and culture. And, um, and so... To the extent that we use our TV, and you're talking to a guy, by the way, that didn't own a TV until he was 37. <laughs> uh, I use it for uh, renting movies with Netflix, downloading uh, movies uh, through Apple TV. That being said, um, and so I've never, uh, you know, I know you're going to ask me about some of the barbecue competition shows and everything, and unfortunately I have never seen them. But I will say that when I made my shows, Barbecue University, and uh, Primal Grill, I found that it was a very powerful medium for teaching. Uh, because, in essence, uh, I'm a teacher and a writer. Uh, there, Believe me, there are guys that could, could out, outsmoke me ten, ten times to Sunday on a brisket uh, or ribs. 
but I think what I bring to the table is the uh, the ability to sort of explain how to do it to to take a mass of information and figure out how to organize it and package it and explain it in a way that's easy for other people to understand. And there, I think the television can be a very powerful tool. All right, so you're not a big TV guy, obviously. I mean, one or two hours a year, that's unfathomable yeah. to most of the people. And the people in the instant chat are probably falling right over. But yeah, yeah, I know. You're pretty active on social media outlets. So, you know, as someone who has really seen this technology revolution advance over the past 10 years, is this something that you're fully embracing? Is it just a means to an end for you? I mean, what's the take on that instant access to everything all the time? Uh, well, the social media, I went into it kicking and screaming, and, you know, I was told it was sort of important to important to reach fans and keep fans and, and build, you know, build a base of followers. But I have to say it's become a really amazing resource. And first of all, with, uh, with Facebook, I find the process addictive. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been up on my Facebook page. It's Stephen Reichland, oh. Arthur, author. Yep. But I post a different photograph. Uh, every day, and I've done that for the last three years. I have a huge bank of photos. And uh, the photo most often is a photograph of a dish I have eaten or that I've traveled somewhere to see or that I've created at Barbecue University or I've created it in my backyard. And I have learned uh, what, what drives people crazy. It's a big hunk of meat like a shoulder clod or a smoker full of briskets. You know, I get a zillion likes. Uh, and one thing I've tried to do, my daughter's a dietitian, so uh, we try in my family to practice Meatless Monday. And I know that's, you know, your listeners are about ready to grab their crosses and their holy water and, you know, uh, hammer to drive a stake through my heart. Uh, but, in fact, on much of Planet Barbecue, uh, places like India and Japan, there's extraordinary grilling that's done without meat. And so in a, in a stealth way, every Monday you will find uh, a photo on my Facebook page that is not me. It might be grilled asparagus rafts. Uh, yesterday I did a vegan quote-unquote bacon made with smoked coconut that I discovered out in Santa Monica. Uh, the likes fall off. It's like they fell off the cliff. Uh, I know it, but I feel like, you know, maybe if I can just bring one more person along to realize there's more to barbecue than meat, uh, then I have done a good thing. And that is this edition of the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less from July the 19th, 2013. A lot more good stuff in this show. Head on over to the thebbqcentralshow.com. There will be a link in the show notes to take you right to this complete episode. Can't thank you enough for listening. Until next time on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I am your host, John Solberg. I look forward to talking to you again soon.